Welcome to the Artist Interview Series. In this podcast, we'll feature interviews with the brightest musicians and music instructors from around the world. Our goal is to provide meaningful conversations and insights into their creative process, to discover the inspiration behind the music, and to learn from the experiences of these talented musicians. Our host today is William Crawford, a Lilly Theatre Company drum instructor and assistant producer. So, let's jump right in and get to know this week's inspirational artist. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 14, Artist Interview, with a great artist guest, um, Mr. Kevin Harris. He is um, a jazz piano player, a composition. He does it all. He's the Berkeley professor of the piano department. So please give a warm welcome to Mr. Kevin Harris. Um, hey, everyone. So, hey, William. Yeah. for having me, man. Well, thank you so much for um, being here once again. and just very great player and i'm just very excited about this interview so um first thing is that um it's february 1st which is um black history month so we get to do our interview at a fantastic time so um if you want to talk a little bit about it or share your thoughts about it and everything yeah i think you know from from many many important perspectives you know it's this particular music that has influenced me, and you kind of mentioned Berkeley College of Music earlier, you know, certainly comes from the African-American and Pan-African diaspora. You know, a lot of people come to to this college. And even if it's not Berkeley oriented, the music that I play that has influenced me a lot from, you know, my own black gospel upbringing to Motown on the record player to, you know, a lot of the influence of traditional jazz and contemporary. Yeah, all of that goes to a culture that we traditionally in this country, you know, celebrate in this month. But obviously, you know, all 12 months is is where we're really celebrating it from a from a, a very important perspective. So I just kind of see it that way in my mind is is that way. And we um yeah, that 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 importance kind of falls on a on an every month basis. Yeah, it's it's um very important. Like um a lot of um a lot of um black people, they um they're the ones that made the foundation of music, like um like jazz and um percussion. Um they, we get the African tribute from percussion. I just took a percussion class oh, yeah. as that African kind of vibe and um just all around the world and everything and um just um playing like those hand drums the bongos and the congos and everything just um blues just definitely a big foundation in music and everything and yeah you know you know what's interesting is i was uh in about two about two weeks ago i was uh, a guest artist at the panama jazz festival i was playing with a great vocal vocalist um her name is nadia washington and she is just phenomenal but in addition to performing with her, I did some uh, some clinics on my own. And one of the clinics I did was an influence about Black gospel music, its influence on jazz music. So we get to talk about, you know, Coltrane, J- John Coltrane's roots. Both of his grandfathers were um, 
were 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 preachers. Not a lot of people know that. Or Thelonious Monk. Thelonious Monk was on the road for two years with uh, with an evangelist, and she would preach as as Monk played. And you know, e even kind of you know at the beginning of these conversations, a lot of the clinics. I think there were a good two hundred people in that room. We were we were rolling deep. And one of the first questions I asked was, uh, "How many of y'all?" What's, what do you think about when I say rock and roll? You know, and a lot of folks would say things like, uh, you know, Elvis. That I think that was the first name that came out the most, which is cool um, because certainly Black culture was a heavy influence on Elvis. I mean, he himself would talk about sitting in the back of Black churches and, you know, kind of being influenced by that music. But then we went back and we listened to the music of Rosetta Tharp. And so I'm not sure how many of your listeners are familiar with Rosetta Tharp, but if you get a chance, just uh, Google a, a tune, a, a song called Up Above My Head and Rosetta Tharp, and there'll be a YouTube video with her with the choir, and she's playing electric guitar, and you really get to hear that influence that Elvis said was on him, and the Beatles said was on them, and you know, just kind of early, the mother of rock and roll, essentially. So, yeah, Black Black History Month just kind of falls to a lot of uh, very important facts uh, like that and just the influence where we come from. So, anyway, I'm not going to go into full-on teacher mode because <laughs> this is an interview, <laughs> but it is important to kind of talk about these things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for um, sharing and stuff. And it's, once again, just falling on... Um... We're doing this interview on February 1st, so just letting the viewers know and everything. So just something to talk about. Yeah. So um, uh, tell us where you're from, man. Where did you start? So I was born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, and went to you know elementary school, junior high, high school, all in Kentucky. That's a, a, lot, a lot of my cultural influences, musical influences, come from. I also went to my undergraduate studies. I did those in Kentucky at a place called Moorhead. And uh, that influence was strong after that. Then I came up to Boston after that. But I mean, we can talk about that. I'm not sure how if you had specific questions about my own upbringing or not. Well, yeah. Well, um, what were you like as a student? Uh, well, I'm sure to some teachers, they have some different things to say <laughs> than others. You know, I think a majority of my teachers and family members remember me as being uh, maybe a little quiet, maybe curious with music. I think a majority of them remember me being pretty involved with music. My first instrument was the trumpet. Uh, and that was before piano, a few years before piano. We had a band director. Her name was Miss O'Nan. And she was the most excited band director ever. I was often I was also in a, a orph ensemble, and that was also just that percussion kind of mallet experience. Was an early curiosity of music. In junior high, when I went on to uh, continue to play the trumpet all throughout college, I played the trumpet, even had a, a small scholarship. But in junior high is when I started to play uh, piano. Uh, one of the students of my piano teacher, I heard him playing Georgia on my mind, the version mm. that, that Ray Charles does. And I just Ray fell Charles. in love. I just fell in love with the way he played that. I'm not sure how much I knew about Ray Charles at the time, 
but it was something about the way he was playing that that just kind of spoke to me. And then I went and asked his piano teacher, or maybe his piano teacher, whose name was Charles Little, saw how curious I was and uh, started to give me piano lessons. Also, around that same time, William, my unfortunately, my father had passed. So this is kind of early junior, junior high, uh, middle school. And it was, you know, as as meaningful of, as an, of an impact that my parents had on me in regards to music, it's it, him not being there was kind of also with music in the place of him not being there was like him being there. You know, it's still kind of this... My, my mother was hip, man. She was smart, and she knew to keep me and my brother pretty bu pretty busy with things we like. We also did a lot of martial arts, which, you know, there's a certain centering that comes from that, you know, kind of really high-pressure situations of ducking and dodging and moving. But at the same time, you know, the goal is to keep an art of, of focus, you know. So it, that was very interesting. That kind of, I can even see the overlap of that today in my life especially the conversations I have with my brother, who's still a martial arts instructor. So anyway, that's kind of kind of the overlap of the upbringing. When I got to college, uh, I was I took lessons from a, a pianist. His name was Jay Flippin. And Jay would ask these beautiful questions. Uh, I share this with a lot of people. He would ask questions like, what is this melody? And he would play like a classical Bach maybe Beethoven melody, and he would reharm it with these harmonies that you hear in jazz, maybe something Russ Ferrante would play in the Yellow Jackets or something. And then he would ask me a question like, what is this music called? He would box you in with a question like that, because you could say jazz, but it's not completely jazz. You could say classical. Uh, but the, the point of the question was to learn how to think without borders and be boxed in by questions. Just always keep your mind and eyes and ears open. That's um that's wonderful information. I like um I liked everything that you said and everything. Just um with um your dad passing everything kind of gives you that mindset like when you play your music, you have that passion saying like this is for you, Dad, like up there saying like, Hey man, I could do this. I strive to do this for you and stuff. So you have that mindset and everything, but you know what's interesting, William, man? This is this is really interesting. I, about two weeks ago, I was in the studio and I was doing a recording with Terry Lynn Carrington on drums. Linda O was on bass. Matt Stephen was on guitar. And we were doing an arrangement I did of someone to watch over me for Diane Reeves to sing on later. She wasn't in there at, in the studio. But that song made me think of my dad. It did, man. I just kind of got choked up there for a second. You know, nobody, I don't think anybody noticed, but just the the gravity and the meaningfulness of that situation to know how proud he would be, you know, of me just doing the best I can with this gift, you know, I've been given as, as we all do. So, yeah. That's the thing with music. It gives you a connection to someone or gives you, it's like music is therapy. That's mm -hmm. what I've Learned from that. I took a music therapy class last semester and mm. definitely taught me with the feeling of music. It really like um, 
it makes you a person pretty much. That's right. That's right. That's very true, William. Very true, man. All right. So um, what brought you to Boston? I came up to Boston to attend the New England Conservatory of Music. <clears throat> I had a cousin who was already up here. His name was Darnell, Darnell Jones. <clears throat> and when I was still in Kentucky, Darnell said, you should consider at least coming, at least applying for some of these schools and coming up and seeing them. And the New England Conservatory, amongst some other schools, I looked at, I was accepted, fortunately, to all of them. But I decided to come up with this one because of the, the environment. Just you go outside and you see so many musicians walking around. You just, if you really love this music, you know you belong here. Or at least that was the impression on me. So I ended up going to the NEC for grad school uh, for a performance degree in jazz piano. My undergraduate's in education, I just, um, but yes, at, at the NEC, uh, I studied with Fred Hirsch, uh, wonderful pianist, still influence and mentor, along with Danilo Perez on piano. I studied with those two pianists. Cecil McBee, wonderful bassist, studied with him. Dominique Eve, great vocalist, still very influential on the scene, so yeah. A lot of that too. Mike Kane was a pianist, uh, still teaches now. Oh yeah, I, I was very fortunate. Alan Chase, mm. uh, yeah, Alan Chase was a big influence too. Yeah. So what um what shaped your desires to pursue your music as a career? Say it again. So what um what shaped your desires to pursue music as a career? I think after a while you you just kind of hear certain things call to you you know you love something a lot and I think for me especially having an undergraduate degree in education I knew I wanted to teach that was probably a little bit more solidified before I knew I just wanted to play but instead of being influenced by a specific album I think just the community of hearing live music over and over again hearing Wayne Shorter, hearing Thelonious Monk, and hearing this music play live, particularly at Wally's, those musicians, uh, that's what really influenced me. Everybody, you know, everybody from trumpet players like Darren Barrett was playing, uh, Rick DiMuzio was playing, uh, let me see, back in the day, wow, Lawrence Field was on piano, uh, John Lampkin was on drums, I mean, it's some phenomenal musicians. And on the Thursday night, it was Afro-Cuban night, but they were also playing still monk tunes, Coltrane tunes. And I would hear all of that music played from that angle too. So that had a really heavy influence on me. So all of that, I'm, all of that said, that was what really solidified for me. Oh, wow. This is, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to be a part of this, you know, what this feels like. And also the inspiration it had on me kind of catapults you to want to have that same inspiration on other people so it's kind of cyclical yeah this um wallace you can't go wrong with wallace and stuff like that like i when i came here i think it was like second third semester um actually dar was the one that was um dar's our ceo of the company but she um was talking to me about the um about wallace and stuff and so she took me there and that's when i saw you and i was like wow, this is just world-class 
best musicians in the world i could see right there in that little club it's just oh, yeah. it, like it can't get even better than that and yeah, stuff the, you call the the name of the band the band is is composed of a great tenor saxophone players noah priminger uh on bass uh at that time when you guys came it was a great bassist named max ridley uh and now in the band is a, a great bassist named yoni uh and he sounds great too uh and on drums is tyson jackson and so the band we've we've been playing together and having a lot of fun for for some time now you know since the pandemic they opened back up this is the band that's been in place and we call ourselves Sphere 427. That's the name of the band. 427 is the is the address of Wally's. But the Sphere component has to do with when people come into Wally's to experience, you know, those vibrations that we're putting out, whether they're people who don't know anything about music or, you know, students or, or professional musicians, we're all... It, within the sphere of influence, because the tradition of Wally's is that, you know, younger musicians come in and we are, you know, those musicians are trying to do their best to soak up the knowledge and tunes and experience to where that influence is always happening. So there's kind of different spheres going on at the same time, vertical and horizontal. But yeah, that's what we, that's what we refer to ourselves as. Yeah, since we're talking about Wally's, um, what's it like playing? at like clubs around boston especially wallace and stuff like how does that make you feel i say wallace is the one i probably play at the most there's an opportunity to play original compositions everybody in the band i co-lead with noah but everyone in the band writes their own compositions and we also play them there and traditionally it's some of the most difficult music uh before I think before knowing our co-leading, Jason Palmer, a great trumpet player, led the band, and we were all in Jason's band. And Jason writes some beautiful, but also challenging music. And so kind of because those before him did a lot of the same, whether you were writing your own compositions or also respecting the, the tradition of just playing albums that inform great, great music. So we try to do the same, follow within those same footsteps. Yeah, just it seems a lot of fun and just um, getting to be the audience. It's very entertaining, just entertaining the crowd and everything. And me being, it's always just, it's always a blast seeing y'all and stuff and get to have the inspiration to see. Like, like I'm always like curious about different music and stuff and just going there. Like Wally's, they don't just do jazz, they do like during the week they do everything like afro-cuban blues jazz it could be anywhere so it's it's a wide variety for wally's is a just a great place that's right that's so right. anyone right. out there that goes to boston please go to wally's it's a yeah. great place for you to go to to see these fantastic musicians just like kevin right here <laughs> thank you appreciate it man yeah um so i know you have a project called the kevin harris project um so when and how did it start? How did the project start? Yeah, so the Kevin Harris Project is uh, specifically, it's named that for several reasons. One of the most important reasons is that just like that philosophy I was describing 
that Jay Flippin would talk about. It's it allows me to create different projects that aren't always boxed into just being a trio, for example, or a quartet or solo piano. It's always evolving. And this is a strong philosophy that great musicians have had on me that I just consider very, very important. Uh, for example, being able to collaborate even now with other artists doesn't always mean musicians. There are film scorers that I'm collaborating with and there are also poets and there's some painters. There's just a lot of great folks, you know, writers and, and authors. And yeah, it's it's just the sky's the limit. I'm even working with some with some a vocalist who's also a who's by trade by day is a neuroscientist. So we're getting into a lot of science also. So I just, you know, I'm I'm quite curious at, at the core of who I am, you know. Yeah. So speaking of curious, so you describe yourself as a unique pianist. Um, why is that? <laughs> I think it kind of piggybacks what I was talking about earlier. Just those those qualities are important and also important in the in a lot of the musicians who have come come before me. Uh, Herbie Hancock, we could talk about him a lot. We could talk about Mary Lou Williams or 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 Hazel Scott or Nina Simone. I, Nina Simone probably has to be at the top of my list up there with you know Monk uh, because they too are very hard to define, but very but also very unique in how they present themselves and their artistry and what they what they consider important to say. Yeah, I would say like um, like every everybody's unique in their own ways because they got different bodies. They it's them when you when you play an instrument, you're playing what's come out of you and stuff. So every person has their unique way of playing an instrument and stuff. Everybody has their own different style. Everybody has their own thing and stuff. Like when you try to like, I always have this feeling like when I look at someone who's like better than me i try not to think of that way because i can't really like there's no one that's going to play like that person if you mm -hmm. get if you get what i mean you have to play like you you have to give your own perspective on your instrument you mm -hmm. have your own perspective on music or anything you do in life so right 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 you it's, you it's, are you <laughs> yeah it's, it's definitely a a balance you know i I took a piano lesson from Aaron Goldberg a long time ago, and I thought it was just a, a really inspiring lesson. This is why I was still at the NEC, New England Conservatory. And one of the things that he mentioned to me was, man, have you heard early Herbie? Because The reason he asked me the question, he had preceded that by who are some of the most unique pianists that you think have their own voice? And I mentioned Herbie, and I think I mentioned a few other pianists. He's like, man, have you listened to early Herbie? And I was like, no. Nah. He's like, check him out. And early, early Herbie sounds a lot like Wynton Kelly. Which is, and there were several pianists, you listen to them, they sound like early. You listen to early Monk, and you can hear those kind of stride piano. Uh, Earl Father Hines. I mean, uh, you can hear Mary Lou Williams. You can hear Tatum. 
You can hear Fats Waller. All this to say, yes, there's a certain uniqueness that we all strive to, to have that usually comes from a lot of homework from originally sounding like someone, you know? So it's always an interesting combination to, to think about doing your homework to imitate, but at the same time, as a result of imitating, you arrive at a point of hopefully being more unique. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like making a smoothie. You add this ingredients. You add this ingredient. So like, if you're a musician, you add like me, I had Neil Pern. I had John Bonham. I had, uh, Roger Taylor. I had, um, all these great drummers together to make who I sound and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's just part of being a musician or, whatever you study you you add these early generations that inspire you to become you mm -hmm. so unique smoothie <laughs> unique smoothie call it that call it the unique smoothie all right man all right so um you're also a composer too another talent you got um where do you get your inspiration like what's your inspiration on composing music in that sort of um, perspective yeah, in regards to composing, I kind of always envision uh, a canvas, uh, a, a blank canvas usually. I'm, I'm a firm believer that the inspiration is always there. It's running like water. There's this great book, by the way, it's called Free Play by Stephen Nachmanovich that talks about this process of creating that there's always inspiration and constant flow. Anytime where we're not feeling as creative, that's a little bit more of us just kind of needing to stop and breathe and be reminded of all that's out there. You know? So, uh, yeah, that's the, that, that's a big subject. I think, for example, I'm working on a commission piece right now. It's called Pulse. And it will be premiered in May. And it'll be for oboe, clarinet, violin, cello, piano, and acoustic bass. And the idea is that there's always this consistent pulse, even in silence, of course. You're a drummer. You know that. Sorry, I think somebody's calling. I declined that. But I think even... Even when when there's this consistent pulse, that can there's an, an infinite amount of interpretations of what pulse means, and that's what I'm exploring in this piece. There are kind of counter rhythms, there are melodies that kind of morph into another one, just vibrations themselves. Us talking right now are a form of pulse, so it's it's been it's going to be a Again, a pretty unique project. I'm really looking forward to. It. I'm pretty grateful that I've been commissioned to do the piece. That's um, probably speaking of Pulse. I bought the two, um, the Berkeley books you see online and stuff for Berkeley online students. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that pops up as part of theory is Pulse. So <laughs> Pulse is. I could talk all day about Pulse, but that's. <laughs> 
It's just a, it's a big thing about music is pulse and meter and a lot of stuff, especially drummer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even even at our Berkeley, a lot of my students, especially kind of the the, the piano, the harmony kind of tonal importance that we often encounter when it comes to jazz, they're surprised when a majority of the songs that we get into or that I introduce them to, that we we don't touch the piano at first. We actually have to, I have a method that has more to do with kind of the African influence on music and how it's approached, or even a human influence, if you think about it, to where we internalize that music, we feel it, we sing it, we dance to it, and then we go play. So a lot of times I have people sing a rhythm and just like play a pocket, like an imaginary pocket, you know, on their legs or something like that, as if their right hand with a hi-hat, left hand with a snare, that foot has to keep that, you know, that pedal going. And this has to be solid. That beat has to be solid as they're singing before they go to the piano. Because, I mean, what are we doing if we're not connecting and grooving and locking up? So, I, you know, that 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 in general is is a very important approach that kind of gets back to what we're talking about here. Yeah, I would say um, also that, and also tapping your foot. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing. With um, I've seen like not just drummers, but guitar players, bass players, piano players, anyone. I I, I went to a class where I saw a singer tapping her foot while singing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like another thing, like um, tapping your foot, mm-hmm. big thing with um, keeping the beat with yeah. when, when you, when you do anything and stuff. Super so important, super important, man. Whether it's a, whether it's a slow tune, whether it's a, a, a ballad swing tune, something that's in an odd meter. One thing I would suggest is when, when people are practicing is to make sure you not only tap your foot, because oftentimes we'll look at somebody and they're tapping their foot, but the foot is like, it's not steady. Yeah. The thing you want to do is tap in a way to where you can hear that pulse, where it's just, you can hear that. I didn't know what time it was till I met you. You know, just work on having a solid, solid, super steady tempo to where you can just kind of float all around it. No, even if it's like, yeah, clave, all of them, yeah, yeah. So that's um. So your latest album, um, Contra Lose, is it's now with um, Fabio Rojas. Is that his name? Fabio. Um, what was Rojas. it? Fabio Rojas. Fabio Rojas. Okay. Great drummer, also film film composer from Venezuela. I met Fabio in New York in New York when I lived there i lived in new york for about seven or eight years and we played a lot and we just kind of continued to collaborate sorry to interrupt you go ahead i got you um so how did y'all come together um to do this album yes so as i said we we met first actually we met first here in boston but we really started to play together in new york fabio still lives in new york he's in queens and so we recently released this album called Contra Luz. Contra Luz in Spanish means backlight. Uh, and from this uh, particular style, this album, it's me on keys and Fabio plays drums. And it's just a duet album. 
But the unique thing about it is we have all of these effects and sounds. Uh, I'm playing on keyboards, a lot of the sounds uh, that are in Logic that I use. And Fabio also has a lot of samples and sounds that he's used. And he triggers them on an SPD pad while he's playing. And so those performances have been unique in a sense where a majority of people come up to us after the performance. And they're like, man, you guys don't sound like two people. It's, it's like this whole kind of orchestra going on when you play, which is a very nice compliment. That's what we were aiming for. And at the same time, it's, it's, it's kind of a breath of fresh air because we spent so much time learning the tech. Like our rehearsals were like hours of figuring out the tech and then maybe like 30 minutes of, of rehearsing actually the songs. And this gets better and better over time. So kind of learning all the tech is also like compliments of what we had to go through with the pandemic. You know, a lot of people just kind of gravitated toward more and more tech. So we, I'd say this is one of the outcomes of, of that too. Yeah. So uh, like um, y'all did a release show at um, Drama New York City. What was yeah. that like? <clears throat> oh, that was a great performance. It was, it was packed. It was packed. We uh, we when we were about to go on, there was something wrong with the tech. I can't remember what it was exactly. And I was like, "Oh man, this is crazy. This I'm not sure what we're gonna do here." And then at the last minute, we figured it out, and it was just a blast. Fabio's written a tune called "Neon Paso Tras," which is not one step backwards. Uh, and it was kind of dedicated to the the protests that happened in Venezuela. And I've written a tune uh, called Shift. Hopefully we'll get to play some of this stuff, you know, just, um, but Shift has, is also a poem that I wrote. And so you hear an overlap of different friends and colleagues who helped to read that poem against the music. There's another Bach prelude in C minor that I play that is, has an undercurrent of this Venezuelan rhythm called Joropo. And so Fabio's playing that. So there's a lot of, you know, this continued collaboration, curiosity, hopefully uniqueness is is happening on this album too, this collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. So um so uh, we're gonna play one of um Kevin Harris's songs. Um hope you all enjoy. beautiful undoing of one injustice in our world undoes innumerable other injustices. Perhaps this great service begins with us and within us. United, we stand with eyes wide open. Divided, we blindly descend to the haunting melodies of the millions who suffer around us. 
to only then embrace personal achievement for myself and my family and never see the greater collective. It's to never know the depths of our potential. Pressing onward and onward with each resistance step. Perhaps this is the great commitment, the great devotion. To relentlessly wipe the sweat from our brows and stand tall with unyielding blood coursing through our veins. To continue to dream bold. To continue to dream bold. To continue to dream bold. And, and not, not think ourselves naive for doing so. And not think ourselves naive for doing so. To resolutely rise up through dark clouds into brilliantly shining stars of progress and hope. Should we not see the fruits of our effort in this lifetime? Let us not only commend each other for having planted seeds, let us celebrate what the sun and the rain will make of us in days to come.
All right, everyone. Um, we are back in this interview. Um, I love the styles with the um, with the song Contralus. Um, definitely a big um, creative feel in the music. So, would you, um, if you want to talk a little bit about Shift, how sure. did you make the song and stuff? Sure, sure, sure. So, Shift is a little bit of what I described earlier. It's a, a poem that I wrote, uh, and you'll hear that poem in the song. I asked several friends if they would read the poem, and then Fabio was able to edit each one of them kind of back to back, reading the poem straight through. So there's that, and then there's all these sound effects that Fabio was able to create, and I'm playing piano on top of that. After the poem is written, then we go into the actual song uh, called Shift that I also composed. And you can hear lots of effects over that. So I hope you're I hope that all the listeners enjoy it. Uh, this uh, this uh, composition from Controlus. So where can you get your um, album at? So this this latest album Controlus, in addition to all previous albums, can be found on my website kevinharrisproject.com. They're on other platforms, but. It, it's always great when people can come through the website just to learn a little bit more about upcoming projects and learn about upcoming collaborations and things like that. So, yeah, again, just kevinharrisproject.com. Let's go to teaching. Um, so, yeah, I've been a professor at um, Berkeley College of Music. Is currently still am. You're part of the uh, piano department. So um, mm -hmm. what's it like being a professor at the most prestigious school in the world? Well, it's 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 certainly uh, something I consider a privilege. Uh, I've been teaching at Berkeley since 2011, so I've been there a little while. That was also the same year that I moved to New York, so that was a pretty busy year. Uh, but being able to teach at the school, I, I consider it a privilege. I'm one of 43 piano faculty alone. Oftentimes, I tell my students, if you get the opportunity study with as many of these piano faculty as possible because each one of them has a, a new perspective on playing the piano that is very, very important to kind of making, allowing a well-rounded pianist to come into play, to be formed, in my opinion. I started off teaching at Berkeley. I was in the, I was actually teaching theory and I also taught some piano labs. I taught uh, some ensembles. I was teaching private piano, but now I'm just teaching private piano mainly in the piano department. I'm also, uh, I have a two piano labs that are Thelonious Monk focused. And uh, so in those, in those classes, we get to work on just learning about Monk, his concepts, uh, composition. So we have a blast in that one. Also, there's a piano club that I lead and in that piano club, that's just a little bit more focused on making sure that we uh, support those students, piano students that are just getting in the habit of playing with other people. Maybe they're a little bit nervous or just more curious about what it means to lock in with other people or to have a community of piano players. So it's a little bit more, it's just as much social as it is getting at the kind of the meat and potatoes of playing the piano. So that's been a blast too. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one more 
group that I'm very proud to be a part of called uh, Soundboard. And Soundboard focuses on more kind of social uh, issues, uh, issues having to do with um, not only diversity, but also making sure that we understand how to treat each other on an equal footing. Focusing on, you know, the some one of the things we focus on is the Pan-African influence on this music, but also Pan-African culture, African-American culture of many cultures that we focus on. So there's not just this kind of one-sided view uh, that comes more from a kind of Western uh, European point of view. So we're just kind of like, if I, if you allow me to just kind of tip as much as we can, uh, an imbalance of perspective on culture and music, and how that comes to play for our students, for ourselves, just to make sure everything is seen from as clear a lens as we can make it, if that makes sense, man. Sounds, um, all that sounds really good as a teacher and stuff, and just a big, big influence. Also, I'm a I'm a teacher and the drum teacher in the um, Lily Theater Company. So just taking that advice um, definitely gives my learners perspective, um, perspective of being a teacher and everything. So um, what are some of your other teaching experience before you came to Berkeley? Uh, yeah, I, I taught uh, at the Cambridge Friends School for about 10 years before I came to, to Berkeley. And it was a blast. I taught a lot of different concert band. So I was teaching beginning trumpet, beginning trombone, beginning clarinet, beginning saxophone. Uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. I did. I thought the students probably kept me on my toes just as much as I tried to keep them on their toes. Uh, it was it was a blast. And every once in a while, I still have an opportunity. We'll do clinics and master classes, not only around the nation, but all around the world. And having that experience of working with wind instruments specifically, uh, just something that's, something that's great, allows me to be a better teacher. All right. Well, um, so now you can, um, if you want to show your piece, your piano piece, um, if you want to talk a little bit about that before you play it. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for asking me to to, to play a piece. Hopefully it's audible through zoom but i have my keyboard right here um and there's a piece that i'd like to play and it's called beyond gravity and uh i think all of us individually we do strive to become better uh more creative you know we all it's great to set goals i believe but i think also knowing that life is very messy too and those goals will be you know blown to the northeast south and west uh are great and so this kind of speaks to the gravity that we need be it ancestors that come before us ancestors that are still with us um, traditions that came before us all kind of resting on that which catapults us to be more creative I tell people a lot of times, you know, my Angelou would say, you know, we've already been paid for by our ancestors. 
So it's kind of dedicated to that philosophy. Yeah. You ready? Yes, sir. Let's do it. <laughs>
was awesome, man. Thank you, man. Hopefully, you could could you hear everything pretty clearly? Yeah, it all sounded really clear, man. It's it's that was that was wonderful. I think it was my I've heard you of Wally, but just like yeah, like give it up for him. Just um, he plays at Wally's a lot, so <laughs> please check this man out. Just just check him out. He's um, just hearing him through Zoom. Just thank you. William. It's it's, it's for- great, man. It's it's wonderful. Definitely. Thank, thank you. Thank you, and the Lily, just at the Lily Theater for for having me. Appreciate you. Yeah. Definitely. Um. Definitely got you where you're at with your talent and everything. So blessed about that. So let's um so we're this interview is part of Lily Theater Company. So um I'll talk about this. So Lily Theater Company strives to be as inclusive as possible. We hope to help many people find their ways to the arts, no matter the background or story. So what do you think about the undeserved communities? In Boston or in in general or yeah, just in um in general. Uh, well, I mean, you know, from from country to country and and city to city, uh, it's a reality that that most people have to face. You know, whether your folks are in a, a well-to-do situation or or not, the reality still exists. So, doing something about it in my opinion and the way I was raised is always usually the best choice the question is a lot of times my mother would tell me when I, when I was little how often do folks go across the railroad tracks to see what's happening on the other side of town she would tell me a lot of times it's it's great to to talk about doing something different or even to write a check you know but how often do you whether regardless of what side of town that you're on the the privileged or the underprivileged how often do you go across town to see what else is happening and get to know people Um, not just talk about oh i went to this country and i saw all of these things what did you learn from the people i think even from an educational setting instead of feeling like it's the haves that always have something to give to the have-nots. Usually in a lot of these scenarios, the haves can go to the community of those folks who seem like they don't have and receive and learn just as much. And oftentimes when that philosophy is in mind, the the kind of the correspondence of what everybody has to learn comes into play. Um, so I think just, you know, that overlap, that communication, that back and forth, is very, very important. Just get in it, go, be amongst people. Don't just go by what you hear, go to the communities. Yeah. 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 Um, another thing about us that um, we are blessed to have access to instruments and stuff like some people don't mm-hmm. have access to instruments or don't have the finance. So like, um, do you think we as educators and musicians could do more to support people who don't really have that access with a musical like learn a musical instrument oh i think definitely i think there's a lot of folks who are who are fortunate to have resources and lots of options and you know really nice instruments and then obviously there's people that don't have those resources um 
so yeah, I, I think it's just a given to make sure that we do our best to make sure everybody has access to them. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Well, am I, am um, I understanding your question? Did I answer your question? Oh yes, you did. Definitely, okay. man. It's great, great advice and everything. Um. So, um, I'm in a band um, with um, Dar. We um, we're in a jazz project, so we strive to use music to spark conversation around issues like mental health and mass incarceration. Dar's brother, actually, I interviewed him um, last week. He's in mass incarceration and stuff. So, um, our band is usually um, like dedicated to him and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, we usually. We use this band to help people heal. Mm. And um, like, do you use music for like as a vehicle for change or social justice in any way? Oh, um, absolutely. Absolutely, man. There's a, there's a few projects that I should probably share. Um, the first one, I, I did a collaboration with uh, Jason Palmer and we did, we compose pieces for a project we called uh, Upwards. And it had to do with first allowing mothers who have lost their kids to senseless acts of violence. They allowed us to interview them and tell us to, to, the, to, to the capacity they chose, what they had been through, but perhaps more importantly, what they saw as remedies to keep such acts of violence from happening in the future. And of course, it was very informative for us, very humbling. And Jason and I, we took that music and we set their voices to actual notes. And we were did a performance at a few of them at the Kennedy Center and here in Boston. And you can hear a lot of the stories of these mothers being told and a lot of their advice to to us as as a society you know hopefully to not repeat these same mistakes so it was just a beautiful project also um uh, there are some great places around boston just locally uh where people have just been through a lot the the va hospital is close Um, i live in mission hill so we're close to the big va hospital tall white building and uh, my wife, who is also a great supporter of the arts and, and an artist in her own right, uh, came up with a great idea of just finding different artists, myself included, who could go to the VA hospital and play for the veterans. And she also reached out to, um, uh, to Rosie's, which is a women's shelter here in Boston. And so we go there and also give back of our talents and and... Uh, even more importantly, uh, again, as I kind of include myself, my wife's name is Louisa, Louisa Harris, and she has a Mission Hill Arts Festival that she's been having and hosting and uh, curating. This is the third, this will be the third summer she's doing it. And through that too, just kind of giving back to the community, finding artists from Boston uh, or national or sometimes international who can just show and remind Mission Hill or Boston in general how 
uh, rooted we are on our own foundation of creativity and arts and just an importance there. So from those examples, there's more too. There's certainly using art, music in this particular case as an art form to give back is is very strong. Yeah. That's love the information and just have a a great family that does a lot of these important tasks Mm -hmm. and stuff and really really helps the world a lot and i just want to thank you for that thank you for your wife Mm -hmm. that does all this stuff definitely makes a positive mark for the world and definitely need that so i saw um i saw a short film about you um it's a film you're visiting the isabella museum and your interpretation of your experience there led you to compose remarkable piece of music um you did um doorways in this film um you probably have lots to share about it because you talk about your family musical upbringing and backstory of the short film so what was the whole experience like so yeah doorways was a fascinating uh, collaboration it was a commission piece so the isabella stewart garden museum i was able to perform the piece live, but also work with a great um, uh, film artist, uh, Paloma Valenzuela, was wonderful to collaborate with her. Also, Rhea Vedro, who was uh, helped to kind of produce the piece. Uh, It was great working with them. The piece itself, Doorways, is based on the idea. Also, I, I have to throw this out there. This was also influenced by just hanging out with my wife. We were at a museum, at that museum. And she was kind of pointing out, you know, how interesting it was as you go from room to room, how each experience caused you to feel a different way. And so that gets me thinking, you know, musically and thinking about that in depth, what it means even more. So in the same way that we go from room to room and we'll look at a piece of art you have the opportunity to sit and really think about how something makes you feel, how it impacts you. Or you could just walk through that room, just take a picture and keep on going. Uh, And I think kind of metaphorically, we can be like this in life sometimes. We can be in a rush and really miss some things in front of us. But also when you sit down and you're, you're staring at this work of art, you have to form opinions, what you like, what you don't like about it, uh, or not even along those lines, just kind of listen to what's going through your heart and your head. But also in the background, while you're formulating opinions of your own, there's plenty of people walking by that may say, oh, that's the greatest piece in the world. Or I can't stand this piece. You know, I don't like it at all. That's also an exercise for you to stay as focused as possible and steadfast to your own opinions, regardless what other people are kind of bombarding you with. That also is a very human phenomenon that allows us to really grow, really become adults, you know, by by definition of that, not just having a parking space or paying taxes, <laughs> you know, but like that's to me, in my opinion, that's really becoming an informed, you know, human being, hopefully expanding in one's thoughts and perspectives. So that all falls under the umbrella of 
of what doorways is about, you know, though from room to room. Yeah. That's um definitely a big um life um perspective, just like um like I I usually say like um if when you see the world, the world sees you. So it just has like um you can definitely learn from the world, like people can help you, people can hurt you and stuff. But it's just like you said, yeah, it's part of um growing up and everything. And um you also like when it comes to music, since we're both musicians, when you write music or like if you create something, you create it because you love it and you'll see who likes it and who doesn't and stuff. You, you try to make people like it and stuff. So it just kind of depends on how you feel and how the other people feel. Some kind yeah. of some kind and of thing and stuff. That's true. There, there's there's a lot that has to do that's threaded through a lot of what I learn and what I believe in. And that's being able to see from as many perspectives a thing as possible i think it's healthy i think the minute we become fixed on one thing and it's only that many times that can become a dangerous place ergo the the album contra lose backlight from many different backlights from many perspectives of light the same object can appear differently or the piece on contra lose called shift being able to shift one's perspectives or even from doorways, like we're talking about right now, when we go from room to room, how one person looks at a particular object or a challenge, you know, in our lives. We we want to have creative options instead of just repeating the same things that were done before uh, for those challenges that that usually that usually doesn't work out well. But, you know, that's that's just my opinion. <laughs> Very creative things and very inspiring of you. Um, just saying, saying that and everything. So I'm glad you um, do what you do, man. And um, so, what has um, what have you been bringing you music this past year? This past year, what what music have I been working on? I know, I know, we're just beginning 2023, but like probably say the whole 2022 and yeah. stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did some great collaborations. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I was in Detroit at a place, wonderful institution called the Car Center. And I was playing there with Terry Lynn Carrington and uh, Gregoire Murray, wonderful harmonica player, and uh, Michael Mayo, wonderful vocalist. It was, it was a great band. And we played uh, a lot of interpretations of Stevie Wonder's music. And uh, also there were continued collaborations uh, in New York. At that time, I was still recording and getting ready and brainstorming Contra Luz. I've also, you know, had music take me uh, to some great places. I was collaborating. I was in Thailand, uh, Bangkok, Thailand, uh, for music and some performances and doing some clinics there, too. And, yeah, it's, it's it's been really really great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know Berkeley's fetish with Stevie Wonder and stuff, but like just um, it's definitely a big reason because like you were talking about Ray Charles earlier, mm -hmm. how they're both blind and they feel the piano with um with their playing. That's why I'm just we're blessed that we can see and hear and stuff because people don't have that and they still 
feel the music and stuff that's why like feeling is a huge part about music and everything so like like my percussion class i the guy right by me he's blind and he plays this um call it frame drum Mm -hmm. and the teacher has to explain to him and stuff and he plays just like us and stuff and he can't even see and another guy right next to me he can't really he can't really move his legs and stuff but he he still got it so it's just it it makes it easier for us um just appreciate that um like i said like people don't have as much access as us we have a body that works and we have we're just we're just need to be grateful and blessed of how we are as musicians so it's just it's it's a wonderful world we live in and you know also William, in in regards to that, oftentimes from folks who may be visually impaired by learning from them and hearing them talk, especially their perspective on music and the world, we actually learn how to see in many ways. Oftentimes what's in front of us hinders us. We are defined by a thing in front. Oh, this must be the way it is. Until someone again, there we go talking about perspective again. Uh, helps you to understand that there are so many other beautiful ways to really see you know it's interesting that we kind of have that perspective there's a a uh, a piece it's a, a film called the looking glass that i recently saw and it's an artist a teacher who's helping uh some folks who have had traumatic brain injuries He's helping them how to paint and oftentimes they'll make different collages. And I think it's such a special film. They interview him and he's, he's pointing out that many people in society that are kind of labeled and dubbed as normal can look at these folks and have biases and oftentimes look down upon them. And the piece is called the looking glass because it not only points to a sickness that they are labeled with. They're given a label of sickness. But what he's pointing out is that in society, we as human beings, the way we look at people and the way we look at different things and the way we either put it on a pedestal or look down upon it points to something we need to work on. I don't necessarily want to call it a sickness, but the thing that we're looking at that we kind of label oftentimes points to us and 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 shows us what we need to improve in or perhaps what we're doing right so you know it's these type of things things. again the the perspective the practice of being able to constantly uh, shift one's views to hopefully have a a more broad-minded way of thinking is very important yeah um great information um so what's your um What's your vision for 2023? What's your goals? Yeah, I got a few of them. So that's a that's a great question. It's always great, nice to have that question. Some of my goals uh, are as a, a, a composer. I would like to definitely perform this piece, Pulse. I would ask you to kind of keep your eyes and ears open for it. Uh, it also will be performed at the Mission Hill Arts Festival. So hopefully some folks can make sure they're going online and looking up that'll happen in August. And uh, as a pianist and a performer, I hope to 
continue to collaborate with great musicians. Uh, I will be performing aspects from Contraluz, but also there are some other albums I'm going to be working on um, that all that also kind of come from a component of overlapping. I don't want to get too much too much into them, but they all also overlap with other uh, mediums. Uh, so those those will be great too. So yeah. Yeah, um, great goals for 2023 and everything, and just <clears throat> very musical and everything. Um, what's some of your dream artists um, you work with? Um, well, a lot of the folks who I was hoping to work with, I, I have worked with a lot of them. Uh, there's a album that I have, it's called Bird Interpretations, and we play all, play all the music of of Charlie Parker, kind of in the same way that Charlie Parker really redefined what music was in his time. How many artists hope to do that in in, in today. And with this album, I, I was really hoping to play with uh, Francisco Mela, uh, who you know I'm pretty good friends with. We go back, we have history. And uh, there's a wonderful bassist named Ben Street who plays on that that trio of them. So I was wanting to play with them for a while. And uh, being able to record that album was very special. Uh, there's another album uh, that I did called Museum. And just the, the, the project itself allowed me to allow, have some dreams come true to where I was able to collaborate with great uh, drummer, Richie Barche, Steve Langone is on that one. Um, some artists that I haven't played with, huh, think about this for a second. I would love to play with uh, Christian McBride. That would be nice. Hopefully I can. I think also uh, John Patitucci, who is, who, who I do, who I do know and if just has some really meaningful conversations with, um, but not just to play just because someone's on your bucket list to play with. Not necessarily that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a meaningful project, kind of from the heart, something that's where you can kind of share a lot of the same vision uh, and collaborate on that to have the foundation of that project coming from somewhere. I'd like to have those type of collaborations. There's a long list of folks. Uh, some folks I'm already able to collaborate with. Terry Lynn also is a someone I'm very happy I've gotten to collaborate with over the over the years too. That's some great people you got to collaborate with. Uh, probably um probably like one of the best like videos I watched was um Elton John and Billy Joel when they collaborated each other. They had this big piano and stuff and they played um one Elton John songs. I was like the two piano gods playing with each other live. It's just it's <laughs> That's like a like a like a crowd's perspective. If those like a collab, that's a huge thing and stuff. So, yeah. if you get to if you get to collab with um, great people, it will really it'll put you in the spot and everything like yeah. that. Even more importantly, it, it it gives you a more kind of broader perspective of of who you are and what you have to learn from those folks when you when you collaborate with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything you would like to um, like 
say where you're performing next um how do you get the listeners to listen to music for purchase or anything like that so yeah to to check out the music which i hope a lot of folks will you can go to just kevinharrisproject.com please uh be curious about new projects that i that i have and that i'm up to and some other great artists that i'm getting to collaborate with uh as far as performances uh i'll have something at the beginning of April with uh, Herlin Riley, drummer, you know him? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from okay. New Orleans, so okay. I definitely okay. know Herlin Riley. He's Great. he's the god. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be playing with Herlin, and uh, it'll be Godwin Lewis on uh, on alto saxophone. And I think, I, I'm not sure who Herlin's confirmed for bass yet. Okay. It'll be a great show. That one's on the 4th, April the 4th, I believe. It's a Friday, either April the 4th, April the 7th, whatever that Friday is. And of course, at Wally's, please. Uh, of course, any, Wally's, any, man. Any folks who, who want to come by, I'll be playing in that house band uh, on Fridays and Saturdays. We start at, at 10 p.m. So please okay. come through. And, and just uh, hopefully I'll be able to discuss more music, play more music. And William, I, I hope the I hope the best for you also. Hopefully, I wish you the best with your schooling and and also your development and expansion as a as an artist and a drummer. Yeah. So, um, what are some parting words you want to um, leave our listeners with? Um, you know, Nina Simone says it's it's our it's our duty as artists to represent the times we live in and for those who whether you consider yourself an artist or not if you if if you come up with creative solutions then in those moments i believe you're being an artist so and and through doing so represent the times you live in say something represent them represent the people who are uh underprivileged the people who can't who have no voice do your best with your art to represent them and or whatever it is that you feel is very, very important. You know, just do that creatively. And, and I think you, you majority of the time you're on the right track. Yeah. That's some great words there. I think um, I was just in a class earlier and he was, my teacher was saying, um, one of Miles Davis sayings, um, if you're not nervous, you're dead. <laughs> so it's um like you're always going to be nervous playing but it's just like once again just have the confidence and um you can learn your part and stuff and just feel good about it feel the music right. and everything so that's both of our words and stuff but that concludes our interview um thank you so much kevin for oh, just you. um being part of this interview and um it's such a great honor to have you and just um please check this please check kevin out um he plays at wally's weekends plays different clubs there any different clubs you play at in boston mainly that one i mean there's they, they they can check out the the performance schedule on the on the website so we'll, we'll do our best to keep it updated yeah just also check his songs his composition just multi-talented man right here and um also berkeley professor who's that's a big thing around the world so um 
just very inspiring person right here and you're just doing so many great things so if you'd like to um, book a lesson with um, Louis Theatre Company, go to www.louistheatrecompany.org. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, William.